Okay, for this Palm Sunday, our New Testament lesson comes from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. And then our gospel reading and sermon text for this Palm Sunday is a familiar passage of Jesus' triumphal entry. This is uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. And let me just remind you, this is God's word to us. It's given to us because he loves us. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the gospel of our Lord. So Palm Sunday, this Sunday that we celebrate today, it's like the pregame tailgate for Easter. Uh, Like any good pregame festivities uh, before a sporting event or some other uh, national recognized event, before any pregame festivities, there's usually a parade. And Palm Sunday, in particular, is a tale of two parades, two different parades that happened uh, on this day in history. According to historical records, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem wasn't the only parade in that city over 2,000 years ago, through the front gate from the west, leaving his palace on the ocean, Pontius Pilate also marched into Jerusalem on this day. Now, Pilate comes to Jerusalem at the beginning of the High Holy Festival of the Jewish week, and when the population has swelled from about 40,000 to over 200,000 people who have come to the city, not, but Pilate has not come not to offer sacrifice to atone for his sins, like the many worshipers who have come to Jerusalem for Holy Week, but to make sure 
that Jerusalem and all the surrounding towns and villages around Jerusalem know who is in power. Caesar and the Roman Empire. He comes with an impressive display of military might. I'm sure the sun reflected bright off the swords and the shields and the helmets of Roman centurions, cavalry mounted on impressive horses, armored for battle, and of course, Pontius Pilate himself seated on a mighty war horse. Meanwhile, through the back gate, the back door of Jerusalem, another parade is taking place, the one that we just read about. Jesus enters Jerusalem not on a majestic war horse, but a borrowed donkey and colt. You know, next time you have an inkling to hotwire and steal a car, just say, the Lord has need of it. Apparently that works. He's not surrounded by armed centurions, but a crowd of simple men and women who are throwing their coats on the ground and palm branches on the ground and shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And Jesus, for sure, inspires hope. This is our ancestor, David, the one, the mighty one, who slew the giant Goliath, cutting off the giant's head and routing our enemies, the Philistines, that day many hundreds of years ago. And Jesus has been determined to go to Jerusalem ever since that mountaintop experience of the transfiguration. But as we know, it's not to come into Jerusalem and lop off the heads of centurions or Pilate. Jesus has made it very clear to his disciples why he has, quote, set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. There's this interesting moment uh, where the disciples question if it's such a good idea for them to go to Jerusalem where there are so many people looking to kill Jesus. Thomas, the disciple, wonders and says out loud, you know, let us also go that we may die with him. And I always wonder, does Thomas say that courageously? Like, let us also go, that we may die with him, or cynically, ah, yeah, this is suicide. But whatever, let's just go get killed with him, I guess. I have no idea, but Thomas has at least been paying attention to what Jesus has had to say. Thomas knows that Jesus goes to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. He's been saying this a lot to his disciples, and every time he brings up this subject, they quickly try to change the subject and make the conversation about something else. And like Pilate, Jesus also has not come to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice to atone for his sins at this high holy festival. No, Jesus rides in humbly through the back door, riding on a donkey, Not to offer sacrifice for sin, but to be the sacrifice for sin. To suffer and to die in the place of sinners like Pilate. Like the Jewish authority who are seeking a way to kill him. Like the crowds who on Palm Sunday are celebrating Jesus and shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, but who on Friday will be crying, Crucify him. Jesus, this servant of the Lord that we just read about in Philippians chapter 2, the servant who suffers 
in order that others may be sustained. This servant who runs towards suffering, not away in self-preservation. This servant who, though he is the very form of God, emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, humbled himself, and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This servant who shows us on Palm Sunday, who shows us that great suffering inevitably leads to great love. That great suffering inevitably leads to great love. By now, I'm sure you know someone personally who has been sick. I know you do. We just prayed for many of them just now in our prayers of the people. Or someone who is sick, someone, uh, and maybe that's been yourself. By now you know someone who has lost their job. Maybe that's yourself this afternoon. At some point, or maybe at every point in your day, you're asking yourself, what in the world is God doing in the world right now? What in the world is God trying to say us, say to us right now? Why, what are we to make of the pain and the suffering that goes on in the world today, especially in places like the Ukraine. Pope Francis, when speaking of the pandemic back in 2020, said this, To emerge from this crisis better than before, we have to do so together. Together, not alone. Together, not alone, because it cannot be done. Either it is done together or it is not done. We must do it together, all of us, in solidarity. For the church of Jesus, the challenge is this. Jesus is not calling us, as his people, to a mere theoretical solidarity with the world. If Jesus is going to reach us in this moment, we have to allow suffering to also wound us. Somehow, we as the church have to allow this moment in time that we have been experiencing and are experiencing to change us, and that's not easy. It's scary. But I'm afraid if we don't allow this suffering to do its work, then we will miss what it is that God is trying to say to us during this present time. I'm not saying that getting... Sick doesn't matter, or losing your job doesn't matter. Of course it does. I'm not saying Jesus is is forcing you to suffer just to teach you some lesson. That's not what he's about. But he is using it. He does want to use it. And let's be honest, our default is to fight that process. To resist. To avoid it. To distract it. To medicate it. To run from it. But the good news for us is that Jesus didn't run away from it. He rode straight straight into the middle of it on a borrowed donkey. Jesus set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem to show that the cruciform pattern of life is the only way to bring about the resurrection of the entire world. Not to say that we make peace with death, as if death doesn't matter, but to say to the pilots and the Caesars of this world, the self-preservation of power and privilege 
is the way of true death. It is to say to the greed and lust and ego of this present age that I will choose death to self in order that I may be free of the vicious cycle of projecting my pain onto someone else and or just remain trapped inside it. Instead, I will trust my Savior Jesus that if He can trust this process, then so can I. I can trust that the way of the cross will, in fact, save me. I can trust that great suffering leads to great love, which leads to great life. Knowing that as I suffer in solidarity with the pain of this world, I share in Jesus' suffering with the pain of this world. Taking comfort that this Palm Sunday, Jesus didn't willingly ride into Jerusalem to simply suffer for us. He rode into Jerusalem to suffer with us in love every step of the way, just as he is today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.